This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Hello there, and welcome to the Behold podcast. This is Dan. Merry Christmas. I am coming to you today solo. No Sean, no guest. It's just me out there, folks. I'm sitting here in the studio. It's a little lonely, but I am comforted knowing that you are there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And let me just wish you on this week before Christmas just a a blessed celebration of the incarnation. I pray that you have something meaningful planned for the holiday. I pray that you'll be surrounded by people that love you and that there will just be uh, laughter and joy and generous gift giving and good food and all of the, the merry things that help remind us of the wonder and awe that <laughs> this reality that Jesus came and was born as a baby to, to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that was meant for us, and to, to be risen again and to sit on the throne as a king. And uh, we pray that you've just been basking in that glory as we've been going through our series, our Christmas series on Sundays, as you've been reading uh, Advent uh, devotionals, and as you've just been listening to incredible music that celebrates this reality. Uh, we just pray it's been a great season. Um, just reflecting a little bit on the year that was with regards to the Behold podcast today and just so grateful and just on behalf of Sean and all of the great guests that we have had this year, just want to thank you so much for your support, just for continuing to to ride with us, uh, especially these last couple months as things have been a little hit or miss. You guys have just been so awesome and just continuing to to go on this journey of beholding the glory of God in the face of Christ as we um, see him in his word, as we seek to encourage each other. It, it's just been so cool to know that people are still engaging. People are still being um, built up and encouraged. And thank you just for everyone who is who stops us in the halls or sends us emails or just lets us know you know, we got a couple uh, text messages from people's Spotify uh, wrapped that we made their list. We cracked their top five or whatever. And so for all of you people out there that just have been uh, riding with us, it's it's really been a blessing. I don't know if you guys remember, but last Christmas, Sean and I did something a little fun on the podcast leading up to the 25th. We basically unpacked uh, each a Christmas hymn, one of our favorite Christmas hymns. We told the story behind it. We talked a little bit about how it's been encouraging us and just what are the lessons and and some of the beautiful truths in there. And um, Sean was going to come and do that today with us. But since he's not here, I figured I would keep the tradition alive and I'd share one with you guys. So cozy up somewhere if you got, if you can, you know, sit by fire or get your favorite a hot holiday beverage um, and sip. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's story time now. Story time with Dan on the Behold podcast. So I'm going to tell us a story of 
the 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 sweet song I like to think of, uh, uh, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. And I'm going to be reading to you from this fun book called Living Stories of Famous Hymns by Ernest K. Emerinian. I don't know if that's how you say it, but I feel like uh, that's how it is. It's a, from what I could tell, it's an older book. It's been sitting on my my bookshelf for many years. Um, I'm looking at the publishing date right now. Okay, it's, it, it was just printed in in '76, uh, but it says copyright 1955. So a little bit of an oldie, but a goodie. And I'll just kind of read the story, and then make some comments, and leave you with some encouraging thoughts just as you enter into this glorious Christmas holiday. So here we go. O little town of Bethlehem. Episcopal Bishop Philip Brooks was such a remarkable man that when he died, a five-year-old girl said to his mother, oh mama, how happy the angels will be. Only a radiantly angelic character could merit such a reward. But his life was not always crowned with such honor and deserved praise. As a Latin teacher in Boston, he was a miserable and conspicuous failure. It was only when he entered the Christian ministry that he found himself and became the hero among men, the saint among sages, and the prince of American preachers. In 1865, while he was serving at Holy Trinity Church in Philadelphia, the 30-year-old minister made a trip to the Holy Land. On December 24th, Christmas Eve, he made the trip from Jerusalem to Bethlehem on horseback. He noted in his diary, Before dark, we rode out of town to the field where they say the shepherds saw the star. It is a fenced piece of ground with a cave in it, in which, strangely enough, they put the shepherds. Later that night, he attended religious services in an ancient basilica said to have been built by Emperor Constantine early in the 4th century. Sidebar here, I had to look up what a basilica is, but basically it's a large kind of oblong hall uh, or, or some structure building with like colonnades and a semicircular courtyard you know, it was it was a common type of architecture in ancient Rome. You know, they would have their court of law or, or public assemblies gathering there. Um, kind of a cool thing. We pictured in movies or maybe some of you have been to ancient parts of the world that have these. But anyway, this outdoor kind of hall. So if you can kind of picture that he was he was at a service there. The service lasted five hours and made quite an impression upon the mind and heart of the young clergyman. He returned home with Bethlehem singing in his soul, as he wrote in his diary. Little did he know, three years would pass before the seed planted on that trip would finally bear fruit. As he planned his services for Christmas 1868, the pastor thought again of the Holy Land and the inspiring visit he had enjoyed there many months before. Combining preparation with memory, looking forward and backward at the same time, he was moved to express his feelings in a beautiful Christmas carol, written especially with the children of his flock in mind. 
the new hymn he wanted them to sing that Advent contained these lovely lines. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The following day, when Louis Redner, church organist as well as Sunday school superintendent, came into the pastor's study, Brooks handed him a sheet of paper on which he had written the five stanzas of his new hymn. Lewis, he said, why not write a new tune for my new hymn? If it turns out to be a good tune, I'll name it St. Louis after you. The organist looked at the stanzas and replied, I'll do what I can, but if it is a success, why not name the tune St. Philip after you? Although he had ample time in which to compose the new tune, Redner delayed writing anything down until it was almost too late. No inspiration, he complained. The night before the minister planned for the children to sing the new song, Redner had not come up with any music whatsoever. On Christmas Eve, at the very last minute, the inspiration came. He fell asleep worrying about the music and woke up suddenly in the middle of the night with a new tune ringing in his ears. He wrote down the melody as quickly as he could on a piece of paper close by and then went back to sleep. Early the next morning, he harmonized the melody and the children sang it for the first time on December 27, 1868. Brooks later paid tribute to his organist friend, without embarrassing him by naming the tune after him, but with a different spelling of the name, calling it St. Louis, L-O-U-I-S. The music thus has no connection whatsoever with the city of the same name, though some have tried in vain to establish one. While Brooks and Redner never had children of their own, they did live to see the Christmas carol in which they collaborated become one of the favorites of children the world over. The end. It's a cool story, right? And I can't help but but think of um, Paul's words in Galatians chapter 4 when I read this story. And um, let me just read it to you. And uh, Paul in, in Galatians chapter 4 is, is talking about those who are in Christ um, as being adopted children of our heavenly father and that we're no longer slaves to the world. Um, we're no longer slaves to, to sin or death. We're not under the law, but we are now children of God. And he says this in verse four, it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And aren't we all so grateful for that, that we can be part of God's family, sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And it's all because God sent His Son to redeem us. But there's this phrase in there that starts the whole thing off. It says, when the fullness of time had come. And 
certainly that would have brought to mind for his readers just the the hundreds of years of of longing and anticipation and and agony uh for of the people of God waiting for the promised messiah to come and there was this this amazing fulfillment and culmination of God's um, rescue plan, really the, the, the beginning of the culmination, it happened through the incarnation. And I think this, uh, this idea of, of God being, having timing to how his plan unfolds is so important for us to remember. I think especially as we near the end of the year, especially as we, we celebrate this Christmas season, I know there are so many things that we are waiting for God to do. We're waiting for, for breakthrough in our life personally. We're waiting for him to show us how he's going to provide for this situation or that situation. We are praying earnestly for unsaved um, or wayward loved ones in our lives, friends, family members, people at work, our, our neighbors, there's, there's people that we've been praying for for years that we just want to see come to faith in Jesus, and it hasn't happened yet. It could be an area that you're wanting to mature in or, or grow in. It could be an opportunity that you're longing to have. It could be some type of material um, need that you have yet to see God provide for. Whatever it may be, uh, I think all of us can look to something and say, um, I have a longing, I have a good and godly desire for that I want to see God do in my life and fulfill in my life. And I think just like in this story, for Bishop Phillips Brooks, he had been waiting for many years of his adult life to, to find his purpose or meaning. And he had experienced failure and discouragement. And it wasn't until he found his calling as a bishop, as a, as a shepherd for this congregation in Philadelphia that he realized what, what his life was all about. I mean, that's, that's a long time. That's multiple decades to wait to find your calling in life. And in his own way, in his own timing, God said for this, this man, the fullness of time had come. And then you think about, you know, even the process of writing this, this, this hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I mean, can you imagine the, this poor organist going to bed the night before Christmas with, with no music written for this song that he's supposed to play the next day and just uh, waiting for inspiration to to hit, waiting for for God to to reveal to him what the next step is, and he goes to bed with that anticipation and that longing, and and in the middle of the night it strikes like lightning, and he writes it down, and at the eleventh hour, this uh, this melody comes to him, and I think life is like that in a lot of a lot of ways, we. We think God might be slow in fulfilling his promise, or we think that God might be slow in answering our prayer. But really, there's there's just a plan that's unfolding. And 
the question is, are we going to trust God? Are we going to stay faithful? Are we going to keep our eyes fixed on him? And that's just my, my thought, my encouragement for us during this holiday season. One of the things that's so beautiful about Christmas is we're celebrating this fulfillment of God's promise to send a Messiah. And in, in that, we, we look back on the tension and the anticipation and, and really, in a way, kind of the darkness to the, the longing of the people of God for God to fulfill this promise. But then at the same time, we, we hold the, the, the joy and the hope and the peace and the love and, <clears throat> and the celebration that God did fulfill that. <clears throat> and the fact of the matter is, too, we're, we're all still in this era right now where we're waiting for, for Jesus to return for his second advent. And I'll just leave you with this, um, this verse from James chapter five. And in this passage, James is, he's basically encouraging us to be patient. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And James is encouraging us, especially those of us who are going through difficult circumstances. And he exhorts us as brothers and sisters to be patient and to wait for the coming of the Lord. And I think that there's so many um, hard things that are happening in the world and in our lives personally, and even in our church community. But there's an opportunity for us to, to, to grow in our faith through those difficulties, to even rejoice in them, to endure those trials, to endure those difficult circumstances, trusting that God will produce a fruit. He will produce a harvest in our lives. And there's a, there's a payoff that comes for being patient. And um, I've, I've never been a farmer. I've never owned a field or, or tilled the land or waited for harvest or anything like that. But but just think about that process, right? A farmer works the land diligently, prepares the ground, plants the seeds, but then has to wait patiently for the early and late rains. Um, now, obviously, this is kind of excluding modern <laughs> modern farming tech- techniques with irrigation and aqueducts and all that stuff. But imagine living in a dry, arid place like first century Palestine where you you have to you are dependent upon rain in the spring and in the fall, those two different, those two different seasons. And there's nothing you can do, but be patient in that process. You can be hopeful. You can pray. You can trust uh, in God and, and remember his faithfulness in years prior. But really you, you are completely just dependent upon the Lord. You are looking to the Lord to provide and when it comes to the, the second coming of Christ, we just have to patiently wait. Um, certainly his, his coming is imminent. He, we trust that he will, um, he will return and he will make all things right and he will set up his kingdom and it will be without an end. But right now we have to be patient. And the implications of that in our life is we may have desires that we want to see God fulfill. 
but we need to have the similar mindset to the farmer. Um, that farmer is active, but also patient. That farmer is, is diligent and working hard, but also trusting in God's work and, and knowing that he will cause the growth. And so it's hard work, but may, may that, may we be a church this Christmas season who is just looking to Jesus again, just beholding his glory, clinging steadfast to his word and his promises therein. And may we celebrate the season in a way that just brings honor and glory to our Savior Jesus and helps people understand what he's like as we reflect his love and his truth. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for spending this time, not only today, but just this whole year. I just can't thank you enough. It's been um, such an encouragement to, to do this together. If you don't have plans for Christmas Eve, we'd love to see you come to our services. We have a 10 a.m. service and a 5 p.m. service at both campuses. So, hey, maybe you want to go in the morning to one of the campuses and in the evening come to the other campus. It is totally your call. And we really encourage you to be inviters and bringers. Talk to your friends, family members, neighbors, people who aren't involved in a church community or don't know Jesus, we just want you to come and bring them. Or maybe there's someone in your life who is a believer and just hasn't been involved in a church for a while, and they've been kind of on the fringes or whatever. Maybe maybe God would lead you and prompt you to, to reach out to them. And then one last little shameless plug to, I don't know if you heard in the newsletter or on the announcements on Sunday, but we are going to go caroling uh, at Candy Cane Lane in Pleasanton this Saturday night. It's the 23rd. We're going to meet at 5 p.m. at the Crossing Campus, and then we'll kind of game plan, and then we'll carpool and caravan over there, and we're just going to spread Christmas cheer and the gospel, and we're going to be inviting people to our Christmas Eve services and just letting people know we love them and that we're here for them. So if that sounds like something you would like to do, we'd love to have you join us. No need to be a professional or trained singer. Uh, All experience levels are welcome. We just, we're looking for friendly people who love Jesus and love Christmas. Okay. Hey, Merry Christmas, guys. We love you so much. And we look forward to being back with you in the new year, 2024, where we, uh, we pick things up. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.